Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the latest game day podcast from TalkSport with me, Alex Crook, the Daily Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and the former West Ham and England winger, Trevor Sinclair. It's League Cup final weekend as Chelsea and Liverpool face off to get their hands on the first piece of domestic silverware of the season. What a breathless, fantastic advert for Carabao Cup football. Chelsea are at Wembley. They have beaten Tottenham in a cup semi-final yet again. Plus, we'll be looking ahead to another huge Premier League weekend as Trevor's beloved Manchester City bid to bounce back to form. Leeds and Brentford attempt to stop themselves being dragged into a relegation scrap. And after his midweek meltdown, We'll also be asking, what does the future hold for Antonio Conte? All that on the podcast that's as defensively savvy as Marcelo Bielsa. This is Game Day from TalkSport. This is Game Day. And a very warm welcome to Darren Lewis and Trevor Sinclair, who's been doing a bit of DIY this week. How's that gone, Trev? Um, yeah, probably a, a D minus, like when I was at school. I'm not very good at um, reapplying silicon, so I'm going to have to get a specialist in, unfortunately. It's not very al- good. Always difficult working with silicon, isn't it, Darren? Yeah, like I would know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you may have noticed that Sam Matterface isn't here. That's because he did such a good job grilling Antonio Conte in midweek. But the bosses at Talk Sport insisted he carried out the post-match interviews following Arsenal's dramatic late win at home to Wolves on Thursday. That's why I'm in the chair. And I guess we should start, Darren, uh, with the Tottenham manager's extraordinary outburst following that defeat at Burnley. It was live on Talk Sport, at which he appeared to hint that he could be considering his position at the club. Uh, sources at Spurs were pretty quick to backtrack on those claims uh, on Thursday morning, suggesting to our own Simon Jordan that Conte admitting maybe I'm not that good uh, was a preconceived ploy to shock his players into action. Now, I'm not totally convinced by that, mainly because the timing doesn't really add up, does it? They just went away from home against the champions, after which Conte was full of admiration for that very same dressing room. Why would you feel the need in that situation to plan such a diatribe just in case you came unstuck at Turf Moor? Doesn't make any sense. I was joking with someone earlier today, but... um... Conti might be the first ever Premier League manager, any manager, to sack a club. <laughs> normally, it's the, <laughs> normally, it's the other way around. Um, I think there isn't any way that any club can spin their way out of a situation like this. Um, but the bottom line is that he's exasperated. 
I remember writing after Tottenham's defeat at home to Wolves, a game they fully expected to win. I did my match report and my intro to it is they've broken him. And maybe I'd gone too soon because I think as far as the defeat to Burnley was concerned, he really did look broken and he's exasperated. And I think he's well aware. I mean, I know lots of people have been calling his outburst petulant and, oh, you know, there's nothing he can do about it. So he's just got to get on with it. I think he's well aware of that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with him saying this is just ridiculous time and again the club keep changing the manager they keep bringing capable pairs of hands into the football club but the bottom line is that the people they need to play change the players by and large remain the same and I think what will happen in the summer is that we'll reach a critical point either Spurs will listen to what Conti's saying and invest heavily in the players or Conti will leave and Spurs will surrender the right to ever again claim to be ambitious because I think if you get the best in class and you don't give him the tools to do what he did at Inter, what he did at Chelsea, what he did at Juventus, you cannot claim after he leaves to be ambitious and it would represent a PR disaster for the club. You've sort of answered my next question there, Darren, because I was going to ask you, do you think he will see out the season? Are you confident that he won't walk away between now and the final Premier League game of the campaign? I'm not confident because I think what he would probably want to, in order to see out the season is some assurances that in the summer he's going to get the players that, and, and the finance and the investment that he wants. Because if he doesn't get that, he'll walk away. And I don't think anybody would blame him. I don't think it would represent a blemish on his CV. Everybody knows what he can do and everybody knows what he's not getting at Spurs. So I think he would. He is in a very, very strong position. Spurs have got the best in class. They've got to decide now what club, what kind of club they want to be. Just one very quick one. I think you might remember last weekend, Crook, um, I said, you know, going into this period that we would find out whether or not but that we would have a title race or not. I was saying last weekend that it, City were up against Spurs. I think it was Everton as well. Um, and one other, and the Manchester derby. Um, and I, I, I never in a million years believed Spurs would win last weekend. I'm not going to claim that to be the case. I did not believe it. But I think that result was an outlier. The bottom line is that that Tottenham defence, and I would include the goalkeeper in that, I think they've reached their peak and, uh, well, they reached it a long time ago. And everything that Pochettino said in 2018 about needing to change, needing to bring in better players, the chickens are coming home to roost. In the old days, Trevor, probably the players may not have found out about what Conte had said after the game, even until they got to the training ground the next morning, yeah. maybe picked up the, the newspapers or spoke to somebody at the training ground. That won't have been the case. It, that, I'm sure they would have found out almost as soon as they boarded the coach or, or the plane back to North London, because of course everyone's got social media. Yeah. It's so accessible. If you were in that Tottenham dressing room, how would you have received those comments? Well, I think to start with, as soon as they got on the coach, they'd switch their phones on. Um, they would have found out um, what the manager had said. Um, listen, it's very easy for me to say it's the Spursy thing to do. Uh, go and beat Manchester City, the defending champions, and then go to Burnley away on a Wednesday night and get beat 1-0 and not really put up a fight. Second half, I think they were better. Um, but I think it just shows where Tottenham, are, where Tottenham are. And, you know, I think this is a real acid test because I think there will be big clubs. Potentially, Manchester United would be interested in the summer. And if Daniel Levy doesn't allow 
um, Antonio Conte to manage this side and, and bring players in, I believe this will be a huge, huge mistake for the football club. Why would you want to micromanage the recruitment of a football club when you bring in someone who's won everything? One, as a player, and two, as a manager. Give him a certain amount of funds to spend in the summer and let him spend it how he sees fit because he works with the players every day. Daniel Levy's not down at the training ground. He doesn't understand football the same way Antonio Conte does. Now, I've had discussions with people who are fans. I've had discussions with people who own football clubs. And they at times they come across and they, they're like, yeah, but this, what about this and what about that? And I'm thinking... You're a fan and, and you've made a lot of money with whatever businesses you've made to allow you to buy a football club. That doesn't make you an expert on football. And I feel that's where Daniel's at. I know, he, listen, he knows about football, but he doesn't know about football like Antonio Conte. And if you want to get the best in class, which I feel I've got, you know, with, 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 with a top manager that's proven throughout the years, both as a player and a manager, you've got to give him the chance to, 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 to trust him and trust the players that he's going to bring in a, I hope it happens for Tottenham's sake because if it doesn't, this will be a huge mistake. It's interesting you mentioned Manchester United there and Darren Lewis was nodding away as you were speaking. I spoke to Sam on his way back from Burnley in midweek and congratulated him on the interview and I can say nice things about him because he isn't here. I thought it was absolutely perfectly handled from him picking up on the little nuggets of information that Conte was dropping uh, along the way and seizing upon them. But I did also mention that maybe he just might have had a tap on the shoulder from Manchester United. I wouldn't completely uh, rule that out. It does leave Tottenham seven points off the top four. They now only have two games in hand over Manchester United. Arsenal left it late but picked up uh, for me, what felt like a season-defining victory against Wolves on Thursday. How big an opportunity uh, was it missed then by Tottenham beating Manchester City, as Trevor said, and then going to Burnley and getting rolled over, Darren? Massive, but to be honest with you, that that is the way of Spurs. They can pull out a big victory, but against a side you'd expect them to beat, they lose. And I think they're not a side that copes well with pressure. I think they're not a side that coats well with the expectation that surrounds being the favourite going into any given football match. And I don't think they'll finish in the top four. I think that in many respects, it would it would stop papering over the cracks, I think, mm. to a large extent, because the squad does need investment. And we, we're kidding ourselves if we say otherwise. I think there are better equipped clubs to finish in the top four. And I think one of them will. Darren, on top of that, you know, you, you probably speak to a lot of Spurs fans after the weekend's victory against Manchester City. And I think they were expecting this result. And yeah. listen, let us not take anything away from Burnley. I thought they were excellent. They did what it says on the can. They reflected their manager uh, in their performance, in their grittiness. It was a, it was a horrible night. Uh, the weather, the wind, the rain. And they're used to it. And they're desperate. Let's get it right. They're down there. Uh, you know, they're 18th now. Uh, they've won the last couple. I think they've got a chance of getting out of this because they've been in this situation so many times. And because they're a team full of, I was just looking at the, the team that they put out, experienced men that are taking responsibility for the manager. And this was never going to be an easy game. Um, but to lose 1-0 and to, I think they were quite tepid in the first half performance. I think that's the disappointing thing, especially off the back of such a good good win. But you look at the, the manager, and the reflection of the manager when you're talking about Antonio Conte, he's Italian, he's not a possession-based uh, manager. He, he, he likes to play defensive-minded sit on, you know, get men behind the ball, give nothing away and then play on the counter-attack. This game didn't suit Spurs. So for me, it wasn't a massive surprise because I've seen a few of Burnley's games recently and they have been quite impressive without picking up wins and they're just starting to get going again. And, you know, with their game, I think they've got a game in hand on Newcastle. 
they'll be, I wouldn't say they'll be confident, but they'll be confident that they could drag you Everton, Leeds, Brentford's back into this uh, relegation battle. And, you know, when it, when it, when it comes to push comes to shove, they've been here before. Well, if, it, if, as we're expected to believe, this was some kind of shock tactic aimed at the players from Antonio Conte, it will be fascinating uh, to see if it has the desired effect. Tottenham's visit to Leeds kicks off game day exclusive on Saturday. It's a 12.30 kickoff live on TalkSport. Leeds themselves hammered 6-0 at Liverpool in midweek. There have been suggestions since that defeat that maybe their manager uh, could be in danger of losing his job. Uh, Darren, can we understand and how much credence should we be giving to those reports I believe originated in South America is Marcelo Bielsa under pressure now to keep his job even until the end of the season because I think we all expect him to go in the summer listen playing the way that they've been playing I don't really see that he could have any confidence about keeping his job Um, in all competitions now he's lost eight games out of the last 11 and conceded something like 19 goals in their last nine games, I think it is. In fact, it's fewer than that. I think it's 19 goals in their last six games. I think as far as Leeds are concerned, I, I'm very frustrated watching Leeds. I know the fans have got a lot of uh, empathy and, and a lot of love for Bielsa, and rightly so. He's done fantastic to get them in the Premier League and to play some exhilarating football to keep them in the Premier League as well. But I just think that he's part of the problem. Because I think the way that they play, it's. It, it, I, I don't want to overstate it, but the way that they play is very frustrating for me. And I think he's very much part of the problem. So we can give some credence to the idea that maybe it, it might be the case that they'll make a change in the summer. Trevor, Darren touched on Leeds' recent defensive record. If you go back over the season as a whole, they've conceded 56 goals in their 25 games. Only Norwich uh, can claim to have conceded more. How much danger are they, in your opinion, of going down? Because you've mentioned already that you think Burnley have given themselves a really good chance. I think we've all been impressed with uh, what Newcastle have done in recent weeks. Uh, Leeds, the most vulnerable of those teams just above the usual suspects that have been there all season? I'd have to say yes. I think the reason for that is you've got Patrick Bamford and he's 17 goals that he scored last season. He's not hardly played a part this season. Liam Cooper, who I thought was excellent last season, he's been injured for a large proportion of the season. And also Calvin Phillips, who, who screened so well. You know, we've seen how well he did in the Euros for England. Um, quite surprising to a lot of people that he played in there. Um, with Declan Rice and did such an unbelievable job. You know, he, he became a household name uh, during the summer. And to have three players of that quality missing throughout the season, I think they've missed the trick not going into the transfer market and, and strengthening in January. Um, but they're definitely down there now. And, you know, you look at the young players in the team, you look at the fight, you look at the manager and, and you look at the style of, the, of their play. And, you know, it's, it's great, like, you know, watching them last season, especially when they finished on the right side of a result and just playing without fear and, you know, committing so many bodies forward every attack and almost running teams to death in, in some respects. And I think they've just run out of luck. You know, they've not got the same quality on the pitch and team, you've seen the Manchester United game at the weekend, you know, they give it a good go for a while, but again, the same mistakes keeping happening. They're empty in the middle of the park. Everyone's getting into the box, in and around the box. When they lose possession, they're so vulnerable and, you know, a manager like Mar- Marcelo Bielsa, you would expect he would maybe just put the reins on because of the situation in the league table at the moment and just say, you know what, 
you two sitting or you sitting or if that fullback goes forward, you sit in and it's not happening. And Trev, I'm quite Trev, surprised. Can I just say, Trev, I, I think Bielsa's wedded to an ideal, an idealistic way of playing, yeah. which is exhilarating and exciting when you've got the players and everyone's fit and you can balance it with defensive stability. But they've conceded 56 goals so far this season. I think only Norwich have got a worse yeah. record. And they are tumbling down the table. If Burnley win their game in hand, I think Burnley will go above Leeds. So I think as far as Leeds are concerned, there are all sorts of red flags around the club. Now, a lot of people, I was listening to Talk Sport in midweek and I heard people saying, well, he hasn't got this player, he hasn't got that player. If you don't have the key players to make the system work effectively, you surely must have a plan B. You cannot possibly talk about him being among the best coaches in world football because I think the best in class are pragmatists. They find a way to keep it tight, to make themselves hard to beat when they haven't got their best players. And Bielsa doesn't doesn't do that. And often mm. when you watch a Leeds team under Bielsa, you're watching through your fingers because you think to yourself, how does Matic run from centre half all the way through the field, play a one-two with Salah and caress the ball over the keeper? How is he getting that kind of space? That's the kind of... I don't want to use the word footballing suicide, but I mean, in some respects, it is. Well, Leeds are certainly the gift that keeps on giving in terms of opposition strikers. Mo Salah, uh, the grateful recipient of that generosity, delighting fantasy football players everywhere who made him triple captain. He got tons (laughs) of points in midweek. And perfect preparation for Liverpool for the first domestic cup final of the season on Sunday afternoon. What a breathless, fantastic advert for Carabao Cup football. The hunger increases and increases the desire. Once you arrive in the final, you you build yourself. Chelsea are at Wembley. They have beaten Tottenham in a cup semi-final yet again. Jota in the first half. Now Jota in the second. And Liverpool surely there in the 2022 League Cup final against Chelsea. You don't win just like this away at Arsenal. That's how it is. And doing that, I think, is the hard way going through the final. But we're Liverpool. Obviously, we are used to the hard way. It is beautifully poised. Chelsea against Liverpool, the Carabao Cup final, live on TalkSport. Kick-off at 4.30. And the Sunday session will also be building up to that game live on Wembley Way. Uh, Trevor, Jurgen Klopp says he has selection problems for this final because he doesn't know who to leave out, particularly in midfield. That's not a bad position for a Liverpool manager to be in. It's a great position. And, you know, you look at both these sides in in cup competitions, they're both extremely effective. Um, Serial winners. And uh, I think you've got to give Liverpool, um, make them favourites. For me, just looking at the the league uh, and the the way that they've displayed performances this season, I think the way that they've stuck with Manchester City um, and obviously the the injury problems that um, I feel that Chelsea have got looking at the last game that they played, a couple of players came off the pitch, which looked like they could be injured, key players as well. But I think it's a great problem for Jurgen Klopp to have. I think he's, you know, from from the season where... You know, they really suffered um, for squad depth. I think they've strengthened outstandingly well. 
And um, I think they've put themselves right in the running and, you know, certainly in, in, in this cup competition, but the Champions League and also the league, they've put themselves back in the, the picture with the league uh, form. So I would say you'd have to make them favourites. But again, Chelsea, you know, on the big moments, on the big occasions, they can turn up and it's going to be an intriguing contest. Trevor says Liverpool are favourites. I think most of us would probably go along with that. Thomas Tuchel, uh, I think I'm right in saying, the first ever Chelsea manager to lead his side to the final at the Champions League, the FA Cup and the League Cup. In some ways, Darren Lewis, does he need this win more than Jurgen Klopp, given Chelsea's unconvincing recent displays, the fact they're not really serious title contenders anymore? Um, I think that's fair. (laughs) Both clubs have developed a culture of winning that they want to add to. And I think as far as Chelsea are concerned, they want to add the the, the Carabao Cup to uh, the Champions League. Um, They got to the FA Cup final and everyone expected them to win. They didn't. As far as Liverpool are concerned, well, it's weird, isn't it? Because two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we'd have said, They've got no chance of winning the league, so they need the cups. Now they've got every chance of winning the leagues <laughs> and the cups would be a bonus. So I, I think each wants it as much as the other. I think the desire is there to be winners. They're two clubs crammed to bursting with top class players who are desperate to win. And I, I think that's what makes this such a fantastic game. Uh, Rhys James soaked by a sprinkler as Chelsea paraded the World Club Cup before their Champions League win over Lille. One foot uh, in the quarterfinals in that competition. Uh, Rhys James is inching back to fitness. I think this game will come too soon. But for Romelu Lukaku, Darren, that supply line from both wingbacks, really. Obviously, we know that Chilwell will be out for the rest of the season. But when Rhys James returns, do you expect Lukaku to return to the sort of form that we saw early in the season? No. I think I don't. I, I don't expect to see that much of Lukaku between now and the rest of the season. I think that uh, Chelsea have hit upon the best way for them to play. Um, whether I think so or not, whether you think so, and everyone listening thinks so or not, as far as Tuchel is concerned, that's the way he wants to play. I think you look at the top two sides, and you don't know where the threat is going to come from. They're so fluid. They're interchangeable. They've got goals in them. They've got good movement. I think when uh, Lukaku plays, Chelsea's opponents find it too easy to mark him out of the game. And I don't think Chelsea want to be wedded to the idea that if you can find one individual, then that individual can hurt the, the opposition. What they want is the kind of thing Liverpool have, the kind of thing City have, where you've got multiple points of attack. And that's the reason why I think plan A between now and the end of the season will be the way they played against Lille. I think they'll perfect it, they'll hone it. And I think that will be the way that they'll go forward. So to answer my question, Trevor, do you think Chelsea will try and move Lukaku on in the summer? It's quite an embarrassing turn of events, if that is the case, having paid so much money Mm. to bring him back to the club. Yeah, I can see it happening. Um, you know, maybe Lukaku read the script before we all did, realised that the system that um, Thomas Tuchel's playing doesn't suit his his profile and the way he plays. Um, I've mentioned it before, I was at the Liverpool game early on in the season and some of the movement that Lukaku had, I thought, well, as soon as the uh, rest of the team latch onto this and understand what his movement is, especially with a high-pressing team like Liverpool, the team's going to be in problem. They're going to have serious problems dealing with him because he's quick, he's strong, as we've seen against Aston Villa when he made that cameo um, appearance in the second half. Um, and, and when he gets wrong side of a defender, very, very difficult, if not impossible, to get right side of it. 
and uh, he affects the games. Chelsea don't play like that. Chelsea play possession-based. They play tiki-taki in and around the edge of the opposition box and that doesn't suit Lukaku. And I, I agree, um, you know, I, I can't see him fitting into this 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 formation. And you look at Kai Havertz, he's, he, you know, he's got guile, he's cultured, he's got a great touch. He knows how, he's quite slight, but he knows how to use his body to protect the ball and, and bring players into play. He's back to, back to goal and I think he suits he suits their model so much better and yeah maybe maybe Lukaku's seen this so when he came out with that interview in Italy and uh, obviously that's come to haunt him and now it's affecting his confidence and as you know with football there's confidence is everything but I don't think they're missing him they're playing better and they're getting more successful results without him in the side and I can certainly see Chelsea trying to uh, recoup as much money as possible for him in the summer and maybe even returning to Inter if they can broker a deal and Kai Havertz has shown, doesn't he, that he is the man for the big, big occasion, scored in the Champions League final, scored uh, in Unfortunately, the World has. Cup final. I had to bring that up, Trevor. <laughs> uh, will he complete the hat-trick at Wembley? You'll find out on TalkSport live on Sunday afternoon. Liverpool haven't won this competition since beating Cardiff in the final way back in 2012. And you do get the impression that Jurgen Klopp is becoming a bit annoyed by the suggestion that he doesn't take it seriously. We'll find out if that changes this weekend. Somebody else who was annoyed in midweek was the Manchester United manager, uh, Ralph Rangnick. They got uh, an impressive 1-1 draw in terms of the scoreline away from home against Atletico Madrid, all to play for in the second leg of their last 16 Champions League tie. But the performance for the most part, was far from impressive. Uh, Rangnick coming out afterwards, uh, speaking about uh, Anthony Alanga, who got the goal that rescued United a draw. He said he's playing as though it's a dream come true. It's joy and fun to watch him play. I wish a few other players would take him as an example and as a role model. Who do you think he's talking about, Darren Lewis? <laughs> oh my goodness me where do you start there are lots of players lots of egos in that Manchester United dressing room so he could be talking about a whole host of players and not just young players as well some of the senior players who perhaps think that they're delivering but aren't giving as much as they possibly could so um, I think the net is very wide indeed what I would say is that Alanga looks like a player he looks like somebody who can cope with pressure he looks like somebody who has seized an opportunity to jump in with uh, both feet. And, you know, sometimes when people have got the cigar out, senior players have got their cigar out and they take their places for granted, that's probably when they're most vulnerable. And I think there are one or two players who will be sitting on the bench longer term because of Alanga's ability to take his opportunities. Back to Premier League action for Manchester United this weekend. They take on Watford at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. They need a win, really, uh, bearing in mind what Arsenal did uh, late on against Wolves on Thursday. Alanga's crucial late goal in that Champions League tie was United's 500th in the European Cup. Trevor, does he deserve to start this weekend? Or at this stage, do you think he's better suited to that role of impact sub coming on and making a difference late on as he did not just in midweek, but against Leeds last weekend as well? Yeah, there's a good argument for both, but I feel if you're coming on and impacting the game um, so well as he has done in, in in previous games, I think he's got the second goals per minute, second best goals per minute in the Manchester United squad behind Ronaldo. Um, I think you'll you'll be itching to to start the game. You know, just getting a 20 minute cameo uh, and you, you're still affecting the game way more than the players that have had the majority of the match. And then the next game comes up and you're still on the bench. I, I think you'd be a little bit peeved with that. So 
I think he's got every right to want to play. It depends what he's showing in training. But from what I've seen, you know, he has got that new player feel about him where he's, he feels lucky to be on the pitch. You know, I remember the feeling myself when I got to QPR, um, you know, playing with some superb players, but you feel a great amount of responsibility and freedom uh, because the players around him were giving him confidence. He's going out there, he's doing the business and he was the saviour. You know, I, I was, uh, Andy, Andy Mitten did a, um, a post uh, maybe an hour after the game and all the fans had to stay behind at the stadium in Madrid and they were all singing Antia Langer's name and that's how in- impactful he's been with his performances and I think he's got every right to want to start this game. Uh, what for the visitors to Old Trafford as I've already mentioned United hammered in the reverse meeting at Vicarage Road I was there they were absolutely abysmal uh, that afternoon it spelt the end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign in charge do you think that front three of Watford, of Saar, King and Dennis can hurt the host once again, Darren? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Funny <laughs> we should say all of that. I do not write anybody off against Manchester United because they're a team. You know what I've been saying for a long time, Crook. You simply cannot trust them. They can pull out a result against a big team one week. They can go on a run of maybe two, three wins and then they'll let you down when you least expect it. They simply cannot concentrate for 90 minutes. They always give the opposition a chance. So I wouldn't rule out anything going into this match. Um, The old Manchester United guaranteed three points. This Manchester United, it really depends which one turns up, even though they're playing at home. Well, we've spoken about Leeds and Watford and their struggles down at the bottom of the table already. Some more huge games this weekend involving those teams bidding uh, to avoid the relegation trap door. Brentford against Newcastle is our three o'clock commentary live and exclusive on TalkSport 2. Uh, Two clubs with very different approaches to the transfer market, it should be said, and one trying to pull themselves away from relegation danger in Newcastle, the other uh, trying to avoid being dragged into trouble. Uh, Brentford's visit to St. James's Park in what was officially Eddie Howe's first game in charge, though he was absent due to COVID, ended in a thrilling 3-3 draw. Do we expect another goal fest, Trevor? Absolutely. I think if uh, St. Maximum's fit, uh, I think what Newcastle have shown, even without him at West Ham last week, I thought they were excellent. You know, very unfortunate not to win that game. I've been concerned about Brentford for a while, you know, especially with uh, the shenanigans with Ivan Tony when he was a when he was abroad in in in, uh, in Dubai and and he then subsequently was injured and missed he's missed a couple of games, um, but they they've kind of their results have fallen off a cliff and you know I'm, I am concerned because there's a lot of players that I would say probably aren't top top quality Premier League players and are starting to sh- starting to look that as well now. And uh, yeah, it's a good job they got a fantastic start to this season because they would be right in it already. But I can see them getting sucked into it for sure. No wins in seven for the Bees. Christian Eriksen could be named in the squad for the first time. Ivan Tony uh, also hoping to be fit. How much of a difference, Darren, will those two make? Won't make a difference. I don't think they'll win. Newcastle are better defensively. They've won three of their last four. And as far as I'm concerned, Newcastle are going to go to Griffin Park and win. Well, wow. OK, <laughs> pretty confident prediction there uh, from Darren Lewis. Uh, Ryan Fraser will undergo a late fitness test. He's played really well, actually, uh, since being reunited with Eddie Howe. We didn't quite know how that would go after it ended one. at Bournemouth. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and I wanted to talk to you about that, actually, uh, not just with Ryan Fraser, 
Uh, we know that Kieran Trippier, despite the fact he's sidelined, is still playing a very active role in the dressing room. You mentioned Sam Maximam uh, in his uh, full first team kit when he was undergoing a gym session <laughs> earlier this week. You love to see it. But the, the, the team spirit that Eddie Howe has managed to, to uh, galvanise in that dressing room, they seem to be in a really good place at the moment. Yeah, and you know, just talking about Ryan Fraser, I've been in the situation where you, 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 you know, you've had you've had a bad game or you've you've done something wrong off the field, and a manager backs you. Or with, with Ryan Fraser, he's obviously had the situation where he decided that he didn't want to continue playing for Bournemouth, um, and subsequently Bournemouth got relegated and and Eddie lost his job. When it's a situation where you feel a, you owe a manager something. You, I don't know what it is, but you give more or a manager's back to you and, and, and trust you and, and gives you another opportunity. You want to do more. And I can see that kind of evolving with the way that Ryan Fraser's equipped himself and his performances, his intensity, his, his, uh, his effort. I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great trait to have as a player. But I think when you've got a player like that as a manager, it's a, it's a fantastic um, gift that you've got. But you look at the team, the intensity against West Ham, they were exceptional. You know, they they looked like they were hungry to win. They've got that little bit of momentum. Doesn't surprise me about Kieran Trippier. You know, I've asked many people in the Northwest um, where he was developed as a footballer and a young man, what he was all about. And that's why I knew that he wasn't coming back to England for money. He was coming back to England and to Newcastle to try and achieve something else. Keep them in the Premier League and then go on and try and be a big player for Newcastle. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he's staying around the squad. He's being there as a, as a leader of the group and, and making sure that the players have got their heads in the right place before games and, you know, giving them all the support that he, he can. No shortage of leaders in the Manchester City dressing room. They go to Everton on Saturday. It's live on TalkSport at 5.30. Uh, City don't often lose two games in a row, but they will be feeling the pressure after Liverpool cut their lead at the top of the table to just three points. The Reds also have... Uh, a superior goal difference now uh, after putting six past leads. There's a big smile uh, across the face uh, of Darren Lewis. Um, Pep Guardiola, Darren, has described Jurgen Klopp's side as a pain in the backside. <laughs> Do you think Trevor, as, as City's biggest cheerleader, should be getting a bit nervous? <laughs> yes, in a word. Um, to be honest with you, I think Trevor should be getting excited. I think we all should be getting excited because I think... What is now shaping up, what we're now shaping up for is one of the great title races over three months. Um, I, I think that Liverpool have absolutely the capability to win all of their games leading into that showdown at the Etihad in April. I think City will bounce back absolutely against a, an Everton side that have lost four of their last six in all competition. Well, they've lost their last four, their last five in the Premier League. Um, and they will not be good enough, in my opinion, for City. City know how to find a way to win. And for me, that means I think over the next three months, it will be like two heavyweight boxers against each other, like Federer against Nadal. You know, it will be like two top class. I know you like your racing, you know, uh, uh, two top class horses turning into the home straight with three furlongs to run. They've got the race between them. These... These are two superb squads, teams, top-class managers. Honestly, I cannot wait. Every single game between now and the end of the season will be epic because so much will be invested in it. And that's why my overriding emotion is excitement. 
I did think Trevor Pep was a bit salty after that Tottenham game, <laughs> claiming that Spurs only really beat them on the counter-attack. That isn't mm. Tottenham's problem. Do you think Frank Lampard will try and adopt a similar tactic because Tottenham aren't the first team to have joy against Manchester City playing that way? Yeah, I mean, listen, Manchester City come out the traps very quickly. And if you can um, get through that storm early on in the game and then gaining confidence from that, I mean, they've been given the, the perfect template of how to beat Manchester City. You know, you, you get the you, you back back lines in, um, you give no space away, um, you defend the crosses properly, you take responsibility. And then on the counter-attack, unfortunately, I don't think Everton have got a Harry Kane, but if you've got someone like Harry Kane who can avoid the the um, the screening player, which was Rodri, who he absolutely bamboozled, in my opinion, that was a, one of the best performances from a, a centre-forward where you're trying to get on the ball and be the out-ball, that first contact um, and, and avoid being screened by the number four. I thought Harry Kane just shown his intelligence. His IQ is second to none. He's stepping as he was going to the right, you know, and, and Rodri was stepping there thinking, right, anything short, I'm going to get there. And before you know it, he's pulled off to the left and he, he, he uses his body so well. It's a big, big ask for Dominic Calvert-Loon to do that. Um, I'm not sure he's got the experience or the, the savviness to do that. But if you want a template of how to beat Manchester City, there, there it was last week against Spurs. On the subject of England strikers, Darren, any concerns over the form of Dominic Calvert-Lewin in, in a World Cup year? I know he spent a lot of time injured, but he hasn't scored from open play now in the Premier League since the first day of the season. Hasn't really looked the same player since he's come back from injury. Will he be a bit worried that Gareth Southgate might be taking note of that? I think he will. I mean, obviously, he's got the first half of next season to maybe get back in amongst the goals, but on form now, you wouldn't pick him. And that's not any disrespect to him at all. That just speaks to the quality that we have at our disposal as a country uh, in terms of firepower. So I think there is time. I think uh, Frank Lampard is a guy who improves players. I think Chelsea are reaping the benefits of that with Mason Mount and Rhys James and one or two of the other younger players that he brought through and kept faith with. So I'm not too alarmed longer term, but certainly on his current form, you wouldn't put him in the England picture. I think just to add to that as well, uh, as a caveat, he's been out for five months. It's, it's 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 that it's a period of time which is long enough to to need games to get your match fitness up. He might be physically fit and he might be able to do the runs in the right times and and all the rest of it and the agility exercises. You've got you get time to see if you're up to speed before you start joining in training. And it takes a while, and I would expect it to take about a month. And it's been in and around that, so I'd expect to see some kind of impact in the goals to start flowing again for Dominic Calvert-Lewin because he is a hungry young man. He's done it the hard way. You look at his pathway and his roots to becoming a Premier League player. And um, he won't forget them traits and that battling quality that he's got to want to get to the top. I just hope his confidence hasn't been affected by you trying to belittle his modelling career by <laughs> telling him all about your own uh, when you interviewed him for Talk Sport. Uh, wow. Everton- <laughs> I can't believe you've gone there. <laughs> uh, Everton awful away as I saw firsthand at Southampton last weekend. Home form uh, will be crucial if they're to stay up, so they can't afford uh, just to write this game off, even against the champions, particularly uh, given the form of Burnley. They travelled to Crystal Palace looking to make it a hat-trick of successive victories after that impressive 1-0 win at home to Spurs. They're still in the relegation zone, Darren, but now only two points adrift of safety with a game in hand, I think Jurgen Klopp said a few weeks ago, if Sean Dyche uh, keeps Burnley up, it will be the greatest managerial achievement of his career. 
it's looking like a real contender. And, and do you agree with Jurgen Klopp? Would this be Daesh's crowning glory? Yeah, I think it might be the greatest escape since Steve McQueen sized up the fence. I think it'll be. <laughs> Honestly, when you consider where they were, when you consider how many people wrote them off, how many games including us win, including us, absolutely. And we got to put our hands up and say we did write them off. It just did not look as though it was something they could do. But the wins, the celebrations after the Tottenham win the other night, said to me, this is a club and a squad of players with belief. Uh, and, and they're really united. They're really fighting for each other. And once Ben Mee put them in front, I just could not see them conceding at all. I think there is every chance they go to Palace and win. Now, even though Palace are a far better side than the one that Roy Hodgson left behind, they can score goals, they play better. There are different points of attack. But I think Burnley are resolute. They're solid. And I think the momentum now, and what they can see in front of them in terms of the teams they can pull into it, that they can leapfrog, I think that they will go there. And this will almost be a cup final for them at Selhurst Park at the weekend. Use the word resolute there. It hasn't been the case all season long, but they certainly have tightened up defensively. They've stopped leaking goals. Bearing in mind, Trevor, that both Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky yeah. are out of contract at the end of the season. What does it say about their professionalism, their relationship with the football club, the respect they have for the manager, that they are still managing to produce performances and shut out players of the calibre of Harry Kane? Yeah, I think it, it speaks very, very high volumes for both players. I was concerned about Tarkovsky because I thought he'd had his head turned and I thought there the might be an inkling of him down in tools a little bit. Um, with Ben Me, just looking at what he's done off the field, um, what, what he's like as a as a character, I had no I had no fears about Ben Me, and you know it's quite apt that he scored the winning goal. I think he's been an excellent servant for the football club. He's improved uh, year on year under Sean Dyche, and um, it didn't surprise me about him. But I'm pleased that Tarkovsky's jumped in gear, and he seems like he's got the fight for the club and for his teammates and for the fans. Um, I've been really impressed with Robert. Impressed with Roberts at right back. I think he's gone in there and done an excellent job. Um, and you look at some of the play. You know, we talk about experience. McNeil. You know, is he 21, 22? He's played hundred over a hundred Premier League games. Lennon. You know, he's he's having a little purple patch at the the back end of his career, scoring goals and looking like he's got that real hunger to play and, and compete. And I think Veghurst. He's gone in there. And, you know, we didn't know that much about him. We read the stats and looked at his record. He looks a massive improvement on Wood to me. And Wood's not been brilliant at, at Newcastle. So all in all, they're, they're a better side. They've got Kone to come back in. Rodriguez has been doing what he does. You know, he's a competent um, operator in the Premier League. And I, I, think they've got, I think they've got the minerals. I think they've got the ingredients to have a real go at this and, and, and probably pull this off. It might be a good time to play Crystal Palace as well. They had a good win in midweek against their former manager, Roy Hodgson. I spoke to Paul Parker, actually, uh, the former Manchester United and England defender on Thursday, and he was really impressed with Wilfred Zaha. But that win probably allays any fears, Darren, that they will be sacked into relegation danger. They've got a very winnable-looking uh, game in the FA Cup at home against an out-of-form championship side in Stoke City in midweek. Do you think Palace might just have one eye on that game? No, I think I think they're very focused and they're a side that are very sharp and they are a side... I was at uh, Patrick Vieira's press conference last week 
and he was talking about the need to keep the players believing in something achievable. Uh, he is not a guy who is focused solely on 40 points. He wants to dream big. He wants to get the players thinking maybe about even a Europa Conference League place, for example, which for a club the size of Crystal Palace would really represent progress when you consider what they've had to deal with over the past, what, five, maybe even 10 years. So... I think as far as Palace are concerned, they'll be focused. I just think that Burnley will make the, they'll be so difficult. They'll be so pumped up. I mean, Trevor can probably speak better than me to the kind of adrenaline that's flowing when you've pulled off a big win mm. and you're within touching distance of something massive like Burnley are at the moment. Trevor? Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's a desire. It's a burning desire to get yourself out of that bottom three and then, you know, start looking up and making sure that you keep yourself away from it. Um, please don't mention 40 points, Darren, because it's a, it's a sore subject for us West Ham ex-players, um, <laughs> especially in the 2002-2003 season. But I've been impressed. I mean, listen, I've been impressed with Patrick. You know, he's calm. He seems like he's a, a real players manager where he wants to educate them. He wants to help them. And I think when you can be that humble after coming from the career and especially the intensity and, you know, I will say, I don't use aggression in football a lot, but, but the aggressiveness that he was as a player and then to be so calm and humble and, and seems to be kind to his players. I think that's an amazing evolution of, of Patrick Vieira and, you know, his team, are, I think his team are doing him proud. But I just want to mention at least uh, on the right wing for um, Crystal Palace, young players come in, breakthrough season. Wow. Guile, speed, end product. What a player. And he's keeping Eze out of the team at the moment. We know that how, how impressive Eze was at QPR and in his first season at Crystal Palace. Got the Achilles injuries, been out. He ain't getting anywhere near this while this kid's continuing these performances. So great to see another young player coming through in South London. That could be the slogan for this podcast, couldn't it? Guile, speed, end product. Not much of that here. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Cookie. I was going to say, who's he talking about? <laughs> Speaking of guile, speed and end product, here's Lucy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How are you? Have you had a good week? Yeah, I'm all right. Do you know what I did this week? I got my nose pierced. Wow. You're a bit young for a midlife crisis, aren't you? Well, I, well, <laughs> last year I dyed my hair. This year I'm, on, I know I'm going to have a bit of a slight different crisis. You're out of order there talking about dyeing your hair with Darren and Trevor on the Zoom call. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shambles. Got a little bit of dye in the facial hair. Mine's, mine's natural, it's just grey, unfortunately. I have to say, I, I, somebody I know who I won't mention on here, but he, I know he dyes his beard. Uh, wow. Very famous. And um, I did consider doing that myself, and I was talked out of it by my kids, actually. Who's Good. As, yeah, as, as, keep as, it natural, Darren. Like the I, I think that there's a famous talk sport commentator who dyes his hair. I can't quite yeah. recall his name. Where is Sam Matterface tonight? <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a, a libelous claim, and I think you, you'll expect to lawyers are listening. to solicitors. <laughs> uh, Lucy, Lucy what have you got for us in terms of the quiz? So this week's quiz is going to have a look at Saturday's game, where Brighton are going to face Aston Villa. Oh, wait, wait, wait! Can I just chip in? Yeah. I don't know anything about the quiz. I'm not usually here for the quiz. Should well, you just get to... a question, Trevor. All right, go on. You then. have to answer it. Right. It's very random, Trevor. I don't know anything about it. Either. I've got my I've got my phone ready, Lucy. If you want to text me any answers, because this is what happens at breakfast. <laughs> right. 
Do you know what? I was listening to Breakfast again on Thursday and uh, Gabby Agbonlahor was on and he was asked a question about Greek gods and he actually said to Ali McCoy, he got the answer clearly fed in his, in his headphones and he said to Koisty, oh, you remember Zeus back in the day? <laughs> he is a gift. He is a gift. He's so funny. Cracks me up. Uh, right, go on then, Luce. Right, now we've had that brief interlude. <laughs> Let's get cracking. Darren, in what season did Aston Villa win what is now known as the UEFA Champions League? Oh, would that have been the 1981-82 season? Bang on. Wow. Very good. Very much. That's why he gets the big money. I don't, think I, I don't think I was born. Yeah, all right, we'll move on. <laughs> That's so rude. Right, Trevor. Currently, as the table stands, what is the points difference between Brighton and Villa? Eight. Close, but no cigar. Crook? Seven. Even closer, but still no. Darren? Right, so it's either nine or six. I'm going to go with six. Correct. Well done, Darren. (laughs) We'll cross them in. You head them home. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit of help from Lucy with the actual warmer. It's getting yeah, so much. <laughs> it's not a game of hide and seek. If you could have gone for nine there, Darren, I would have had to give you a little clipped wings. Lucy, Lucy, please tell me you've got one of your questions about how much did the ball weigh in? Yeah, I've, yeah. don't worry. Don't worry. I've sorted this one out for you, Darren. Don't panic. <laughs> Crook, as you're aware, Brighton also go by the name The Seagulls. Now, back in March, a video emerged of a seagull boldly waddling into a shop in Scotland and stealing a bag of crisps. But can you tell me what the flavour was? Well, (laughs) seagulls famously try and steal people's fish and chips. And obviously, fish and chips are known to contain a lot of salt and vinegar. So I'm going to go with salt and vinegar. No, it's incorrect. (laughs) All that working out as well. I quite like that, the way you were thinking there. <laughs> oh, thank you. Who are you passing this on to? Yeah, Trevor. Trevor, I'm passing it to you. I'll go for... I don't actually care. <laughs> strong cocktail. That's a strong choice, but no. Darren. Oh, well, then I'm going to go with cheese and onion. You're all incorrect. He went for ready salted. Uh, <laughs> nearly there, Crook. Nearly. Surely I get half a point for the salt, no? <sighs> do you know what you're doing a good job while Sam's been away I'll give you half a point for that yeah, yeah, oh, thank you that. that's why you're my favourite producer oh thank you so much <laughs> uh, thank you very much Lucy bye bye Lucy ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. And on the subject of Sam Matterface, he was at the Emirates on Thursday night. Arsenal coming from behind to beat Wolves by two goals to one, really cranking up the pressure on Manchester United in terms of the top four. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, led for a long period in that game, couldn't quite hold on, and they're back in action on Sunday. The only Premier League game on Sunday is the one that Darren Lewis will be at, West Ham against Wolves. Sam uh, can look ahead to that one for us. And what a brilliant night it was in the end for Arsenal. I've just got back into my hotel room after watching that game, and it was a brilliant night in particular for Mikel Arteta, who revelled in the last few seconds of that match when his team won it right at the very end. Maybe they missed too many chances tonight. Maybe actually they didn't create enough during the course of the 90 minutes. But this was a game where they showed real character and ultimately it was a game they had to win. Not because otherwise they would have been out of the race for the top four. Not particularly because they could have knocked out a team that were actually in the race for the top four, because I don't believe Wolves were ever going to get into the Champions League. But actually, because so many times this season they failed to prove that they are good enough to withstand the sort of pressure that comes with being a Champions League team. So many times they fought it against the better teams in the league this campaign. But this time, against the Wolverhampton Wanderers team who feel as if they are Arsenal's equal or were trying to become Arsenal's equal, equal, they were swatted aside and they came back and they did a very, very good job. You know, also it shows real character and was incredibly impressive because actually, you know, Wolves hadn't been beaten after going in front in a Premier League game since they lost to Cardiff in 2018 and Cardiff came back and won that game 2-1. So it was quite an achievement to come back and, and score two against a side that also, remember, hadn't scored more than one in the last 13 Premier League matches. I spoke to both managers afterwards. Arteta obviously delighted. Um, Tierney, I spoke to him as well. He was very happy with the situation. And everyone was really full of praise for Lacazette, who really led the line brilliantly for them tonight. And actually, it was his ninth game in a row as captain, and he played a captain's role. And he said... Tierney that apparently he's been brilliant behind the scenes and he deserves that a lot of teams don't realise how difficult Wolves are to break down and you know sometimes you watch them don't watch them because they aren't the most inspiring team but actually Arsenal ultimately were able to find a way through they didn't have too much quality in front of goal but then again the accusations will fly around that Wolves didn't really test them after going ahead Wolves have a bit of an issue in front of goal 24 goals this season in the Premier League and yes Sometimes that's been enough for them, but it's not always going to be enough, and it's not going to be enough against the better teams. You know, when you're taking on a team like Arsenal, you need to make sure you put the game to bed. They didn't do that. They're averaging less than a goal a game now, Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's that's never going to be enough to get you into the Champions League. Most of the time, they're able to shut the door, but not against the very best. I think it's a huge game against West Ham for them at the weekend. It's another defining moment of their season. They've lost twice now to Arsenal in a row. And this is a test. Are you really in this European race or not? Well, 
Neto coming back at the right time is good for them. But him and Johnny both looked as if they hadn't played football since spring last year, which is an issue for them. I'm definitely not expecting an absolute blockbuster in terms of goal mouth action between West Ham and, and Wolves at the weekend. West Ham a team rely heavily on a guy who scored two goals in 17 in Mikel Antonio and Wolverhampton Wanderers who have already, as we've mentioned, one of the lowest scorers in the league. It was a good night, it was good fun, atmosphere was brilliant at Arsenal, but Wolverhampton Wanderers have got to get back on their feet and get back on their feet very quickly because this is a tough test for them against West Ham. Thank you very much, Sam. We'll be back on Monday morning to review all of the weekend action. One more game uh, still to review. And actually, it's the first game of the weekend. Southampton against Norwich is an eight o'clock kickoff on Friday night. Uh, Southampton looking to continue their stellar recent form and in the process plunge Norwich closer to relegation. Uh, Saints are unbeaten in nine. It's their best run in the league since 2016. What exactly, Trevor Sinclair, are they getting right at the moment? Um, I think they've got a good spirit. I think um, Ralph Hasenhutl's had obviously very difficult times at the football club, um, but he's been given time by the owners um, to get it right and get his stamp on this side. I think he's improved players. I think you look at the quality of Brozier uh, up front, he's a handful for anyone. Um, but I just think all in all, they, they, they've been improved individually, collectively. They're getting used to the way they play. And Southampton, have, for me, have always been uh, a possession-based team where they pay, play a lot of pattern football. And I think the players are just getting more and more used to this style of play. Uh, they're staying true to their philosophy and, and, and the philosophy of the club. And um, yeah, I just feel they've got they've improved the players that they've got there and everyone seems to know their job and they look like they're enjoying it under, under the manager and that can only be a good thing. Yeah, from what I'm told, the relationship between Ralph Hasenhutl and his players is just about as good as it's ever been at St Mary's. Armando Broja on loan from Chelsea, excellent again in the win against Everton last weekend. There are some big clubs, Darren, uh, eyeing him this summer. West Ham have been mentioned, Newcastle as well, and some giants in Europe also paying him very close attention. Where do you think he'll end up at this stage? Or, or, or will Chelsea be better served, given what we said about Lukaku, maybe to take him back to Stamford Bridge? I'll tell you what's quite funny. While we've been recording this, I've been sneakily looking at Twitter and Ralph Hasenhudel has been trending. So I, thought, I was like, what's he trending for? And I clicked on and it was, Hasenhudel is the guy that's being talked about if Antonio Conte were to follow through with his decision to... Uh, sack Spurs. I'm sticking with that gag, by the way. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I, but, you know, I, I could see why he has been mentioned in dispatches for the biggest clubs because he is living proof, as you've been saying, Trev, of the fact that if you have faith in a manager, you're not knee-jerk, you don't panic at big defeats, you see what he's trying to do in developing good players and building a team, engendering a team spirit, you can reap the rewards. And you look at Southampton now, they're undefeated in five. They've won two of their last three, and they are a side going from strength to strength. So I can see why he's being linked with the bigger clubs, with big ambitions. Maybe they don't have to finance to pull off those big ambitions. But you know what? If you can get someone that can come in and make them hard to beat, why not? He's got a huge release clause. And actually, it's quite interesting that the contract that he signed a while ago, that the release clause basically gets bigger depending on the size of the club and where they are in the league uh, who are trying to prize him away from St. Mary's. I think it would be an expensive one uh, for Daniel Levy to do. 
Also, listen, Tottenham are a massive club, Trevor. But is it that appealing for Ralph Hasenhutl? If Antonio Conte can't get it right and he, he wants to walk away, Ralph Hasenhutl is, is settled on the South Coast. He's master of his own empire. He's got a lot of control over all kinds of aspects of the club at Southampton. He, he might not necessarily get that at Tottenham. No, I don't think he will get that at Tottenham. Obviously, the, the pressures and the expectancy are, are completely different at Southampton to where they are at Spurs, especially with their newfound stadium, the new facilities and the expectancy uh, while the England captains at the football club to, to, to at least try and win trophies or look to try and win trophies. So he wouldn't be going in there and you've got a couple of years to, you know, find your way around and, and get used to the club and, and how they want to play in it and the rest of it. I think he's, he's, he's enjoying his time. You know, I've, I, you can see that with the, the way the players are responding um, you look at Walker, Walker Peters, he's playing out of position. It takes a lot of coaching and, and helping a young player be able to do that play on the opposite side and do it with confidence as, as Walker Peters is doing at left back. Um, but to do it all again, it'd be a huge task. And uh, I just feel he's just about getting things right. Why would he want to change that so soon? Certainly an interesting one to keep an eye on. Darren Lewis, uh, bang up to date there with the uh, latest back page headlines, even uh, before we've picked up our copy of the morning paper on Friday. Uh, in terms of Norwich, uh, five points adrift of safety. They've got a big run of games uh, coming up, actually, against some of the teams around them. Got to go to Liverpool in the FA Cup first. That won't be particularly easy. Dean Smith's last game in charge of Aston Villa was a 1-0 defeat at St Mary's. His first match at the helm of Norwich only a couple of weeks later was a 2-1 win against Southampton. Uh, what chance do they have of, of doing a, a rare double when it comes to home and away wins in the Premier League against the same opponent? I think that, this listen, this kind of match is more Norwich's level because I think that they were on a good run before they came up against some far superior teams. But I still do think that Southampton, particularly at home, are going to be too strong. I think Norwich are a back line. They have a back line that doesn't retain their con concentration for the full 90 minutes. So I think when you've got guys like Armand Abreu who are able to nip in behind and take advantage, you're always on to a loser. So I think as far as Southampton are concerned, I'd back them to come out on top in this match. I think it's all over for Norwich. I really did expect them to bring in some more firepower in the January transfer window. They didn't do that. And coupled with the fact that they still do have a mistake in the in defence, I think it's all over. I think it's all over for Norwich. It's all over for this podcast as well. And uh, unlike the Norwich back line, we did keep our concentration for the full 90 minutes. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Trevor Sinclair, for joining us this evening. Um, Always a pleasure. You're part of our comedy team, I think, at Goodison Park, aren't you? I am. Today? Yes, I am. Looking forward to it because obviously um, Everton have got two wins at home for Frank. Uh, away performances have been poor, but you'll be hoping that they can build on that. And yeah, City need to bounce back after the loss to Spurs. So yeah, really looking forward to that game. And Darren, you're at the uh, match of the also-rans, I think, in terms of uh, top four qualification. West Ham uh, against Wolves. West Ham have to win, don't they, really? Both teams do to keep their top four hopes alive. It's going to be a draw, isn't it? I think it will. Uh, and the thing is, I think even if West Ham do win, I think the teams above them now are likely to stay above them. I don't think they've got enough in reserve. They look a tired team. The gamble that the club tried to pull off in January, waiting for more quality in the summer, I don't think that's going to pay off at all. And it's really sad because I did hope against hope that they could upset the established order and, and give us something different in the Champions League places. But I just don't think they've got enough depth 
to sustain a top four challenge. I'll be at Southampton on Friday night and then at Brighton Villa on Saturday. Darren Bent's boot room returns on Sunday as well. We'll be reacting uh, to the outcome of the League Cup final live on TalkSport at 4.30. And the Game Day podcast to review all of the weekend action will be back on Monday morning. Thanks for listening. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 